Hi, and welcome to Six Questions with Sedek. I'm your host, Cameron Carell. Debbie Fatkin has been the Executive Director for the Clark County Community Services for over seven years. Clark County Community Services is the primary source for aid for families in crisis in the Winchester and Clark County area. Since 1975, CCCS has been encouraging families towards self-sufficiency while providing food, clothing, shelter, and utility assistance. Join us as we chat with Debbie on her passion for serving the community even during the most challenging times. Well, Debbie, thank you so much for your time. Starting off, can you give us a little background on how you got to where you are now? Well, I volunteered in this building probably about 10 years ago, and Judy Crow was the director, and she said she thought I'd make a good fit to to replace her, and I said, no, thank you. I'm not interested. I can feel the weight of your job just being in this building, and then fast forward about three years, so it's like 2013, then chairman, which is to shoot, asked me out to lunch. And um, I said no. And we see where I am now. (laughs) (laughs) What did you do before? I was a preschool teacher. Okay. At Central Baptist. Absolutely love my preschool classes. Um, I also volunteered a lot. Um, I was um, PTO president at Fannie Bush for years. I was on the Clark County School Board, um, served on uh, various other committees and things within the community, so. Okay. What can Clark County residents do to help support your organization? Well, my number one request, and this is always even more so during a pandemic, is prayers. We need to stay safe so we can keep our client base safe. We are interacting with approximately six to 800 Clark County families every month, um, many who are the high-risk categories because of age, disability, or health issues. So we want to make sure we stay safe. And then after that, it's make donations to CC so we can sell them in the store because the store is um, opened on a COVID hours. We still need your items from your house that you um, no longer want. We can sell them. And then those proceeds are how we buy the food to feed the families that come to us every month. How has your organization had a pivot over the past few months? So everything is done from our front porch, um, which actually has turned out to be a positive for our senior commodity program. Senior commodity program is a government-run program in which food is given to seniors um, at risk to having food insecurities. Um, Household income, on average, for my seniors, is just below $1,000 a month. And if you think about rent anywhere from five to $700. That doesn't leave a whole lot of money for food. We do 492 seniors on our senior day. And we really had to think outside the box on this to how we were going to serve them, keep them safe and keep us safe. So we do drive-through service. Um, they loop around in our parking lot. We check them um, under, we have an awning set up and then they just drive up with their trunks open and we load everything into their trunk. And Our volunteers, it takes more volunteers to do this, but our volunteers and staff absolutely love doing it this way. And we've already decided even after COVID's over, which we pray that that eventually happens soon, we will continue to serve our seniors in that manner. The one thing about serving everybody else off the front porch for their food boxes, it's really hard to have that face-to-face interaction. It's hot out there. Then sometimes it's raining on us. 
all of our families build relationships with the person who's sitting across the desk from them, which is a different volunteer. We have different volunteers every day. And they specifically come on certain days of the week because they've built that relationship with that volunteer. And then they'll share things. They'll share how things are going on in their life. They share the good and the bad. And when they share the bad, we want to be able to, to, be able to give them the resources they need to help them through those bad situations. And it's hard to do that off the front porch when they're trying to keep their window up and we're trying to move them quickly through because it's so hot or it's so loud. That part's hard. We're still trying to figure out how to keep them safe if they come into our building. I can keep them safe in the intake office with the, the plexiglass barrier, um, but I can't keep them safe in my waiting room. My waiting room holds a certain number and not everybody adheres to the policies that have been put in place to keep them safe, uh, we've got to figure that out. And we don't know how that's going to look. So that whole pivoting, it's like a daily, we're daily pivoting. I feel it's like that that's pretty much all I'm doing. My, my brain is tired. What changes have you guys made with CC's closet so that you can reopen? We only accept donations on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And that's because we don't have as many volunteers to process. And the whole process that we're doing takes more time. Starting this week, I think the only time that you'll need an appointment is the nine o'clock hour, which is an hour earlier than we normally open. When we first reopened, it was an appointment for every hour. Everybody seems to be doing good. We're not overly crowded. Um, so we opened it up last week from um, the noon time to four o'clock that people could just walk in without appointments, still mask, still have, do hand sanitizer. And that's been working. So we decided this week we're going to back it up and starting at 10 o'clock, you can come in without an appointment, just walk in. It's different in, in the terms that you're not coming in CC's entrance door. That's now our exit. You come in through the food pantry side, walk down the hallway, and then into the store. It, it really does seem to be working. We're not overly crowded and we'll monitor. It's all we've been doing through this whole process, monitoring and seeing how it is. Because we, we want, I want everybody in my building to feel comfortable. I want my customers to feel comfortable when they come in. I want my staff and volunteers to feel comfortable. I have a couple of staff members who have family members that they live with that are at great risk. And so we want to keep them safe so they keep their family members safe. It, it's For the most part, it's gone extremely well. We've been pleased. We are not open on Saturdays because we're exhausted. We just, we just need to rest. And I, I think that's part of the, everybody's tired of it, right? Everybody's over it. When you're working in the environment we've worked in, in which our hours haven't, uh, the hours that we're in the building haven't changed, we haven't gotten to stay home, we haven't been working from home, um, we haven't had much downtime. So to be able to have that rest time is very, very important just for our well-being. I think it's really important for the community to understand that because a lot of times they only see like maybe what's on Facebook or what they've heard and you guys are doing so much more than that. and having that break and everything is so important. Are you guys accepting like new volunteers right now? Um, no, we're not. Um, I have a core group that is doing the food pantry side and it's a lot of couples, which has worked out really well for us. It normally to, to work the food pantry on a normal average day, it takes two people, one person in the pantry and one person at the front desk. Busy days, you want two people at the front and two or three people in the pantry. So that's two to five people 
and now it's a minimal of two, three, four, five people. And then it works its way up to even more when we get really busy. The beginning of the month gets a little bit uh, crazy and there'll be two or three of us out there um, processing off the front porch, two or three people in the pantry. And then we're still pulling files and somebody sitting in the computer. So it takes a whole lot of man hours to do it this way, but we're not comfortable letting any new volunteers in. And again, it goes back to that, making sure that we stay safe because if we get sick in this building, there's too many people who depend on us for food. You know, when you get the telephone call from the elderly lady who's asked if she can have a food box and you check and she'd already been here this month. And so, well, if you, do you really need some food? And she goes, well, I guess I can wait until next week. I do have about four cans of green beans. We're going to make sure you get food because I don't want you to eat green beans every night. That's not enough nutrition for you. So it's important that we stay safe. One of the things that we have found interesting through this process is that the number of transients that we assist has gone up dramatically. Transient program is a program set up by the Association of Churches. The Easter the Good Friday program that they do every year, the Community Good Friday and the Community Thanksgiving service they do around Thanksgiving, those funds that they raise during that time are used to assist transients. And that's anybody who is not from Clark County who's trying to get home or to see a relative or whatever. And they've had car issues, they've run out of gas, they got stranded here for whatever reason. Um, those numbers have gone up dramatically. Last year, I think my number was 26 maybe, that we assisted over the course of the year, I've already done 24, 25, and we still have half a year left. And we didn't get to have Good Friday service, so those funds didn't come in. So it's been, that's been very, very interesting. We're not sure if it's tied to COVID. I do know that Dennis Briscoe, the police detective at the Winchester Police Department, has done an amazing job training his dispatchers to know that this service is available. So I've been getting a lot of telephone calls from dispatchers. So we just, we're just not sure the reasoning behind it. But the numbers are up considerably. We've put a lot of people on buses so they can go home. And it could be that they're over COVID and they want to be someplace they feel safe. And now home is where they're, they're going to go. Is there things people in the community can do to help assist with that program right now? Uh, monetary donations. So they can just, um, if they want to send a check and then just mark that it's for the transient program. Or if they make a donation online, because you can make donations online for us, if they just want to call us and say, because there's no way to, to differentiate that on the online platform we use, that they can just call us and say, I just made a donation online for you, and please use it towards transient program, and we can do that. What is the most innovative thing you have seen in response to COVID in your community? The wraparound calls are just amazing, are they not? It just, I feel like it keeps us all in the loop with information. And then that information is like, I share that information with my staff and my volunteers. We use WhatsApp on our phones and um, we have one group that's everybody. We call it the lunch one because we get, we've been fed lunch a lot up here. So I want to make sure everybody knows what's available for lunch for the day. But that's what I use to say, okay, at today's wraparound meeting, I just heard this. Especially if I hear them or they post something about, they're confused about the numbers that we're getting from the health department. And I can explain the delays and why those delays happen and, and what the actual numbers are for Clark County. Um, as a matter of fact, I sent a, a text out Saturday saying we've had um, a few good days in a row. Um, pray that that 
trend continues. But it, it is, it's, it's been amazing. And then I think the other part of that is that there are people on that call who were not aware of the resources that are available to those in need in our community. I certainly didn't know everything that my agency did before I came here and was a part of this agency. So um, I think it's helpful for other people to learn. So we have a transient program, or if you need a mattress, you can reach out to Debbie and she can get your family a mattress that is at your school or that you're a caseworker for, or we have a lady who needs a ramp. We'll call Debbie. Debbie will take care of getting the ramp. It's just all of that, that part of it. And then add to it, COVID has changed things. So they may have known that community services does food and they heard CC's is closed, the thrift store. And there are, we have clients who have felt like the food pantry was also closed. And so it's a way to, again, get that information out. No, community services is still open. And if you're afraid to get out, they'll deliver to you. I think it's just a wealth of information on resources that are available and then people uh, being willing to assist once they hear about the needs that are in our community and where those trends are going, how our numbers are going. It's like, who would have ever guessed that the number of people we serve food to would go down during this. But the government has put so much money into the hands of our families that they, they have not been in for food. Those numbers have gone down. They're working their way back up just ever so slowly, but they are working their way back up. But it was good to be able to track that and share that information. So, because, um, you know, people panic. They, they want to make sure they're helping people and making sure that those families that they know are in need are have the resources that are available to them. And if you are aware that, well, if they are getting food stamps, they're going to get this amount of money um, and it's increased. And if they have children in school, then they get this amount of money. And plus they're getting their stimulus checks and they could be receiving unemployment. So I, I really feel like on that end, that's been well taken care of. The wraparound meetings are something I hope continue even if we move past COVID and everything. I do too. Staying in the loop with what everyone's doing is so important within our community. Yes, I agree. I agree. Have you all increased your use of online platforms in the past few months? So, no, we, we've always had online platforms, but those giving to us have increased um, the use of our online platform. So um, donations coming through there have been very significant. We have never seen uh, monetary donations like what we've been seeing for the past three months. Our community is amazing in their generosity. In the past, we'd always said that specifically about what they donate to CC's, you know, brand new things, just amazing things that they donate to us. And then we had to close the thrift store and close the donation and they picked right back up with um, the monetary donations that has and, and made up for the fact that the store was closed and which is a major funding source for us. Mm -hmm. So that, that was, it was absolutely wonderful to see them step up and take care of that for us. What advice do you have for other organizations like yours who may be looking to switch to more online platforms? You should do it because there are so many people who that's what they prefer. I mean, I struggle to find a checkbook in my house. My kids don't have checkbooks or if they do, they have one set of checks that they rarely ever use. So you can at the very least reach out to a generation of people who don't use checks 
and do everything online. Um, you know, my husband and I have had to catch up with some things and my boys have bought him tickets to go see the Pittsburgh Steelers play for his birthday in October. And they all were paying each other with Venmo. And I had no idea what Venmo was. And so I learned what Venmo was. But it's just, there, there are so many different ways that you can get make it easier for somebody to donate to you. And, and being online is, is certainly a great way. For our final question, what is inspiring or giving you hope right now? I'll say specifically my kitchen and K-Love, which I know is a bizarre answer, but last year we redid our kitchen in our house, something that I've waited 22 years, 23 years to do, and I love it. And when I have a really hard day here, it's because it's exhausting going to my kitchen telling Alexa to play Caleb really loud and baking things for my staff and my volunteers is what has inspired me to keep going. And specifically within Caleb, Lauren Daigle and her songs. It just, you know, it just, it makes me, okay, so I am enough. I am, I am working hard and I am enough. When you're going through all of this and the weight of making sure that I'm keeping all of these people safe in my bubble that I'm in is unbelievable and unlike anything I have felt before. So I have to go someplace where I can feel like I can be refreshed. My kitchen and K-Love. And then the fact that I know that there are so many people that are praying our community and praying specifically for my agency, because I'll get a text and say, just know that you all were on my heart today and pray for you. I mean, that that is just, it's huge. It's just huge. Well, Debbie, thank you so much for your time and for being open and honest with us. You know, in a time like this, it's easy to put on a brave face, um, especially when you're doing such good, important work in our community. But I think it's also important to acknowledge that what you're all doing is hard as well. And we really applaud you for that. And we are grateful that you are willing to spend a little bit of your morning with us. Um, thank you, I appreciate you. This episode of Six Questions with Sedek was recorded virtually. Mm-hmm.